I see so many faces today that have, I haven't seen in a long time. It's really great to have you in worship this morning. You might notice in our leaflet that the sermon is by me and youth. We are trying a new thing of highlighting youth voices and perspectives once a month in worship and doing that from middle school on up. So today, I sought to highlight the voice of the high school students in our midst. One idea was to have some of our young people speak about a recent mission trip. For those of you who've been around for however long, you may recall that the Hope trip would happen in the summer, and when they returned, one young person would speak about their experience, and we would be blessed by their testimony and witness to their week. Well, unfortunately, Hope Trip is one of those things that COVID sucked the life out of. Um, we had about a dozen or so young people that every year went, but there were two years where no one went anywhere, and it didn't permit us the chance to bring young people into the experience of attending. And this year, there were still people who were eligible that were cautious about attending such a trip. So we encouraged our young people to go on the trip that Jesse Lee organizes, which is of such a number that it can handle a contraction. And three of our young people went on the trip to the Appalachian Service Project with the Methodist Church. Unfortunately, none of them wanted to tell of their experience today. <laughs> One's away, the other has her birthday. I mean, these are legit reasons. I can't really fight with those. So instead, I sought to highlight the mission work of our young people through photos. And with Jonathan's excellent help, as always, um, we're going to show now a brief slideshow of some of the ways that our young people, even in the midst of this calendar year and COVID, have attended to the needs of the stranger. In these photos, you will see an effort to collect money for books for kids who don't have access to many books. You will see an effort to collect socks for the homeless, assisting um, Chapel on the Green in New Haven, since socks are one of the main ways and tending to the feet is a, a pri priority for the homeless. You will see pictures, perhaps, of their worshiping at, um, chap at in, in, in New Haven on the Green with the homeless and feeding them as a part of that. You'll see some photos of our young people who make microloans through our global philanthropy leaders, assisting people who are unbanked around the world and often living under corrupt governments. And lastly, you will see a couple of photos from the young people that went on the Appalachian Service Project. Give me a thumbs up, Jonathan, when that's finished. In each of these um, examples, we see hospitality to the stranger. People that we don't even know, wanting to make room for them, wanting to respond to the needs that are present in their daily lives, and how it is that we can be a neighbor to them in their circumstances. And that is the theme for today's worship, hospitality to strangers. In our Old, Les Old Testament lesson this morning, three men appear to Abraham and his wife Sarah. And biblical scholars will tell you this is a story of God becoming present. 
It's a theophanic visit, meaning God has come in connection with humankind. If you want to read how biblical scholars have come to this conclusion, then we can talk about that later. But there are hints in the text, and it's not unique among Christianity, this idea of the divine visiting the, the human. These three figures show up, and we see marks of hospitality in Abraham's response to them. He gives them the best that he has. He kills a calf. He moves with haste in order to respond to their needs. He wants to find favor in their eyes, which is another way of experiencing courtesy. He wants them to feel that they are being welcomed in courtesy. He outlines what the visitors might expect. With their attention, he focuses his attention on them. They reciprocate in giving attention to one another. He understands himself to be their servant, and he is extending this hospitality to strangers. I'm noticing when I read this text of how long the visitors were there. They arrive, he sees them out on the road and anticipates them, and when they come closer, he washes their feet, and then he goes and tells Sarah, quickly, make some bread. Okay, bread takes a little while, even if you're making it quickly, right? You bread makers. And then he goes out into some field. I mean, even if the calf was like in the backyard kind of thing, it takes a while to prepare an animal to be eaten. What, 45 minutes? Anybody out there a hunter? 45 minutes maybe to prepare the animal itself so that you can actually cook it? I mean, did they slice off some meat and then put it over an open fire for quickness? Because if you're gonna cook a whole animal, it takes quite a few hours. And so I'm struck by how hospitality includes a dimension of time. Sharing time with the other person. Attentiveness in a reciprocal fashion. That's a mark of hospitality. Another piece that's remarkable about this is that he extends this hospitality to strangers. Now, those who have visited the Middle East know that hospitality is a hallmark of that culture. And as I learned from our pilgrimage guide, you would not be turned away if you arrived at someone's door. This is part of what makes the story of Mary and Joseph as they're seeking shelter so remarkable. You would always make room, no matter what, even to the stranger. This is quite a challenge, right? Because I can feel comfortable being hospitable to people I know, but to strangers? Ugh. Michael keeps me nimble in this aspect. I remember some time ago, he was asked by a friend of a friend to host an art event at our house, the rectory. And he really wanted to say yes, which meant that this friend of a friend was going to send out invitations to people, some that he knew and some that he didn't know, to come to our house. Maybe 60 people, Michael says. 60 people that I don't know in our house? I felt myself be resistant to such a concept, and yet I knew I wanted to be good at welcoming people. I could feel that I needed to exercise this muscle. Of course I could justify not having 60 people in my house, especially since most of, not all of them would be strangers to me. Plenty easy to do that. And yet I knew that I wanted to feel flexible enough to be surprised by something new and be blessed by it. 
And so indeed we did. It didn't end up being 60, it was probably only 45. Some people showed up with a loaf of bread. They're like, we own a bakery and thank you for opening your home, here's some bread. It was a gift. It was a beautiful surprise. So that's another thing we see here in this passage of scripture, the extension of hospitality to a stranger. And the last thing is how it is that people feel valued. We act as servants to one another when we have someone in our home. And I have to say, when I reflect a little bit on it, I think that's part of my resistance sometimes to being hospitable. I'm not sure if I know how to do that fully. Maybe I'll offend in some way or I'll be ill-prepared. I don't want to set people up for disappointment. And so it is that we find ourselves saying, can I get you something? What can I get you when we host someone? It's a dimension of hospitality, of showing courtesy, helping someone feel valued. This is what we see also in our gospel lesson today. This is such a familiar story that we can kind of gloss over it with broad brushstrokes and say, oh right, those two, Mary and Martha. In fact, it's so familiar, this is another one of Luke's very familiar stories, that in society people will refer to that, right? Even people who don't really know the Bible. Luke has a lot of stories that stick in the brain in that way. And so we can take a moment to reflect a little more deeply on what we see happening in this text because Martha and her sister Mary invite Jesus to their home and he had people with them, with him. And we know from other pieces of scripture when people knew where Jesus was, they came and found him. So it was kind of like setting out a piece of meat on the front of your step and waiting for the dogs to come, perhaps. Martha and Mary opened their home. One thing that we know about religious texts, especially in dialogue, is sometimes they can condense the dialogue just to get the story moving along. And we see, I think, a piece of evidence of that in this particular text. When Martha says to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. There's a response to the, answer, to the question because she then responds to that, those words. Jesus says, yes, I actually do care. I do care that your sister has left you to do all the work by yourself. Martha's conclusion then is that her sister should get up and help. But Jesus says there's another answer, which is that you come and sit. The hospitality of Jesus, the hospitality of the divine, is what we see reflected in this gospel lesson this morning, and it's what we see reflected in the Old Testament lesson as well. From the Old Testament lesson, the divine promises that Sarah will have a child. That's hospitality. Want to bring a gift? Try that one. And in this passage, we also see the hospitality of Jesus. He invites Martha to sit. That is so nice. That is so nice. Did you know she was doing all the work by herself? And Jesus says, come and sit, Martha. As a side note, Luke is the gospel that prioritizes and centers women over and over and over again. So if you ever wonder where these, these stories that show Jesus caring for women, you're, guess Luke. Guess the gospel of Luke and you'll probably be right. Jesus becomes the host in this situation. He extends 
hospitality to the stranger. Martha, he may have known a little bit, but he has invited everyone to sit. And I'm reminded of that passage from Matthew's Gospel. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus has invited Martha to exchange her work. He does care that she's doing it all by him or herself. And so he says, come and sit. Another thing that we see of hospitality in this is that, God, that Jesus provides the sustenance for them in his teaching. Yes, bread is helpful, meat is helpful, curds are helpful, milk is helpful, but if you really want the bread of life, it's Jesus that can offer it. And I'm remembering in John's Gospel where Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And those that were listening to Jesus in this passage in John's Gospel said, Sir, give us this bread always! Ooh! That's the one I want, always. And Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That is some sort of hospitality. Anyone that's hosted people knows that people keep eating, right? In fact, sometimes we time things so they can go before the next meal, right? I'm not alone in that. Am I alone in that? I'm not alone in that, right? Okay, maybe I'm alone in that. This is Jesus' hospitality. He gives them the bread of life so they will never be hungry again. And then we see his servanthood. Jesus does this time and again, and it gets kind of glossed over, I think, or we categorize it as healing or, um, you know, words of wonder or something like that, miracles or things like that. But Jesus has consistently practiced servanthood over and over and over again, and we see it so beautifully illustrated also in John's Gospel. When he says to his disciples, when we read these words, after he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So it is in these experiences with the divine that we have an exchange and all of a sudden, the mutuality of hosting becomes real. Abraham would say, oh, I invited them. Mary and Martha would say, oh, I invited them. Or maybe even as simple as, oh, I let them in. I did. Each of them has prepared to be a servant, responding with attentiveness and time to their guest, and they discover that they are being attended to as well, that they are being hosted, 
sustained, fed through the ministry, the love of, the, of God. So I want to bring this home and consider how we do the same. You know, in college, I had this friend, and we would call each other our African friends. Now I confess that we were generalizing in that. We didn't state any particular country in the continent of Africa. But the idea behind it was that we would just show up at the other person's door. And that's when we would know it was time to be together. If one of us came to the other person's door and you opened it and you found that person there, then it was time to sit down and be together. We came unannounced, this idea of hospitality, that if one, the visitor arrives, then you let them in. And I've thought a lot about that because we don't do that anymore. We usually call ahead. We usually think it's most kind to give people a heads up, if for no other reason we don't want them, them to be anxious. As a priest, sometimes I don't call ahead because I'm worried someone's going to think they have to vacuum or dust or that they have to have tea or cookies or something like that. So sometimes I just show up. So whatever's there can just be there. How is it that we welcome people into our space, that we practice the practice of hospitality, that we practice welcoming strangers? I dare say that although we may not open our physical door, we have a lot of people who come into our sphere of consciousness. We can thank things that are digitally we can thank things that are digitally um, you know, made available for that very reason, right? On our screens, whether it be our television or whether it be our handheld device, we get to invite people in. We hear their stories. We get to know them. We think that they might be strangers, but the kind of people we know, right? We saw their story. We heard them talk about it. They revealed a little bit of themselves to us. So in essence, they're strangers who we already know especially since algorithms cultivate what comes our direction. We do give attention to these people. I've been known to say in my household, when someone's got their handheld device while we're sitting at the table or something, I'll say, oh, who else is here? I'm just curious who else is in our room with us because I couldn't see or hear who it might be. This attentiveness, though, is about sharing ideas. It's words. We don't break bread together or feel the warmth or experience the candle or the smell. We don't hear the birds or whatever other ambient noises there might be. And so our servanthood is limited. We become very transactional in that, or it takes a lot of impetus on our part to be a servant to another. Even the stories that I know of people who maybe wouldn't cross my sphere with any regularity I'd be hard-pressed to consider how often I serve them. Whereas, when someone physically has come into my space, I remember them much more clearly, and I'm motivated to respond to their needs. And so we, we spend a lot of time engaging with one another in this aspect of hospitality, which doesn't generate the life-giving nature that hospitality indeed does. And perhaps some of this has atrophied for each of us and we've forgotten what it means to open our space and time to another. I'd like to suggest that this happens with the living God, too. What if God were to show up at your door, just like my friend and I would do in college? What would you say? 
When we allow the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to host us, to feed us, and to serve us, we find ourselves empowered and sustained in our humanness, in our very physical sense. And although God doesn't knock on your door on a daily basis, I would give God some credit for the sun coming up. Or maybe your first conscious breath. What if that is how God shows up for you every day? What if you became cognizant of it and said, oh, hi, come on in. One of the ways that we seek to be mindful of the stranger is through nutmeg. And in our revisioning of this several years ago, we named it Nutmeg and Neighbors. We, in, during the nutmeg years, funded our outreach work with the money we raised in that annual fair. We worked a lot. And if it had been five years ago, you would be working and we would be begging you to work, actually, <laughs> right now to get ready for that annual festival. The vestry, though, moved that commitment to funding outreach into our budget and said, we will definitely give money to support the work of outreach, even no matter what. So we have re-envisioned our social event of fundraising and entitled it Nutmeg and Neighbors, and it's coming back this September 17th, a social fun time just to raise money. We'll raise money. People, if people want it to go specifically to outreach, they can do that. But we need other monies, too, to complete the work of the church. And although it might not seem as snazzy and, and exciting as designating it specifically for outreach, it does support our effort to grow in our hospitality to the stranger. It's in our coming together week in and week out and receiving the hospitality of God through word and sacrament that we become mindful of the stranger. It's through Jesus' teaching that we bring that home again and again. It's through this community that our young people find each other and we support them in growing in that capacity. And so the work of the church is always about hospitality, about welcoming the one that is different than us. And that is something I think we all want to get good at. I want to close with a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. There's so many good ones in here, you know, in the 800s. You can go to the 800s and find really good ones. But I thought today I would pray the Collect for the Human Family. Let us pray. Oh God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth. That in your good time, all nations and peoples may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.